So I am uh, so I'm really uh, eager to introduce two of our newest members to the committee. Um, I remember exactly where I was when I got the call that I was following Chairman Archer on the Ways and Means Committee. I know exactly where I was sitting at my desk, and I had at the time I think my three-year-old son was here in Washington. He was playing on the floor beside me, and I called my wife. I don't think I I, it's, I haven't been that excited. Uh, uh, for a long time, and so I'm envious of our newest members who get a chance to really uh, already have uh, stepped right into their key roles, come to this committee with remarkable experience, and are already making a difference. Let me introduce uh, you to them. Um, I'd like to introduce first Jody Arrington from the great state of Texas. Uh, Jody served our state and country in so many capacities, held leadership positions in President George W. Bush's White House. Uh, the FDIC had a successful tenure at Texas Tech. Uh, before joining our committee, Jody was chairman of the Subcommittee on Economic Opportunity for the Veterans Affairs Committee. He also served on the Ag Committee uh, during the successful passage of last year's Farm Bill alongside our other Texan, uh, Chairman Mike Conaway. You know, his dedication to cutting unnecessary government spending, bringing accountability to federal agencies, being eager to work across the aisle to get the job done are just some of the few reasons he was selected to serve on the Ways and Means Committee. So join with me in welcoming Jody Arrington. And then follow, following Jody um, uh, is Representative Ron Estes of Kansas. Uh, he's been an advocate for lower taxes, for balanced budget, and free trade, lowering health care costs. And he's just a great addition to our committee. Uh, a lifelong Kansan who grew up on his family's farm, uh, he knows firsthand the need for lower taxes and raising uh, burdensome regulations off our job creators. Uh, Ron's uh, the only former state treasurer in Congress. Uh, he served as county treasurer, statewide treasurer back in Kansas. Uh, he, uh, he's looking forward to focusing on retirement security, uh, trade, uh, and other issues as well. So join with me, our other uh, new member of the committee, the Honorable Ron Estes. So Jody, one, I know you've got a schedule, uh, uh, you've got to catch with the leader, so Jody, why don't you kick us off with your room? It's an honor to be here and to serve on Ways and Means. Um, I know what some of you are thinking, you're thinking, didn't we have enough Texans on Ways and Means? The answer, the answer is no, we did not. Um, but it is a tremendous honor to serve with uh, Chairman Brady, and uh, he is my chairman. And I'm very proud to have uh, served alongside of him. He was, you know, we did a number of things that I'm very proud of in, our, in my first term in the 115th Congress. But no legislative initiative was more impactful and, and, and the process run uh, better than the tax reform uh, bill. And, and, and the results are tremendous. So, um, so it's good to be on the committee that has, I think, the greatest impact on, on uh, the policies that affect everybody in this country, and that's why we do what we do. We want to make a difference. And if you want to make the biggest difference, you want to be on ways and means. And um, I, uh, my district is 29 counties full of some God-fearing, freedom-loving rural people that want their country back. And um, we're mostly ag and energy. That's the base of our economy. I talked about being the food, fuel, and fiber capital of the United States, and it's true. 
And it's not just fossil energy, Tom, it's renewable energy. We produce more wind energy in District 19 in Texas than the entire state of California. Um, ag is very sensitive to trade, so trade's gonna be a top issue for me, and I know many of my colleagues. Um, we wanna be a strong voice for our farmers and ranchers. And we need to get USMCA passed, and I'm proud to be on the WIP team, and we'll work very hard to, to do that. That is life or death to, the, to production agriculture in the great state of Texas. Um, we talked about uh, China and hitting reset uh, with the ambassador in our hearing yesterday. I think this president is doing the right thing. I might have done it a little differently. Um, I might have been more targeted, Mr. Chairman, and more measured, but you know what? Maybe I would have gotten just targeted and measured results. I'm proud that he's being bold. Uh, we're hearing very positive things uh, back from him in that process. And uh, if we are able to hit reset, and if we're able to have a fairer deal with China, then the future is much brighter for the next generation of farmers and ranchers. So we're pulling for them and we support them. I can speak for myself, but I think the committee supports what they're trying to do. Um, so not only are we the ag and energy epicenter for this country, uh, Lubbock is the regional healthcare hub for much of the Southwest. So when you think about Texas, we're more like Eastern New Mexico, Southwestern Oklahoma, Southeastern Colorado. Um, and between Dallas and Phoenix, no city offers more comprehensive services, healthcare services than Lubbock. Texas Tech, uh, where I served as Vice Chancellor for R&D and Technology Commercialization, has two medical schools with many campuses, but two independent medical schools, one in Lubbock, one in El Paso, and they're part of that healthcare ecosystem. I left Texas Tech after several years. By the way, I worked for Kent Hans, who had this seat, who beat George W. Bush for this seat. And uh, so a lot of history with uh, Texas 19, but I left Tech to start and run a telehealth company. So I believe in market forces of competition and empowered consumers and but I also believe in market forces and um, free market policies because we need to unleash the entrepreneurial and innovative spirit in this country because I think innovation and new technologies will do, go a long way to solve some of the big problems in healthcare and beyond. Um, I think with that, uh, so healthcare is obviously an issue that I'm going to be particularly interested and engaged in, and I would say that um, we have also the most rural community hospitals in my 29 county district, and there are 2,500 some odd uh, rural hospitals, critical access hospitals, half of which are operating in the red. So we have to figure out a, a more sustainable model for rural hospitals and I will be engaged on that front. And we were in the, in the Farm Bill, Mr. Chairman. We offered an amendment that passed that, that, that supports them through rural development loans so they can have lower capital cost. And, and anything we can do to provide access to basic care for these rural communities is important investment for, for everybody, urban, suburban alike, because if you don't have sustainable, if you don't have access to basic care, 
you don't have sustainable small town USA and you don't have food security and energy independence because the next generation will not continue to feed you and clothe you and fuel this economy. So anyway, proud new member of Ways and Means. Uh, Don and many of you all helped me. I want to say thank you for that. My best way to thank you is to be a great member and to be prepared and to be strong. And uh, I'm a sword and shovel guy. Um, that's out of Nehemiah. I know you all know the scripture. This is not Sunday school, and I'm not going to ask you to Don't look it. at me when you're saying uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> Chairman, why don't you just tell them about that sword and shovel? Come on now. Can I get a witness in you here? You preach it, brother. Come on now. Pass that plate before I get out of here, please. Uh, sword and shovel. It's the only way to lead a country as great as the United States. It's the only way to lead in rural America because in rural America, and we're R2700, right? I mean, we're off the charts conservative, but we still understand and appreciate that leadership is working with people to solve problems and deliver results. If you don't work with people, you can't solve problems, and if you don't deliver results, uh, what good are you to progress and, and, and to the next generation that's counting on us. So, there are going to be times we're going to fight and protect and defend the good work of tax reform and other policies we put in place that you guys believe and know, and we're seeing the impact already in such a short time, and there'll be times we get the shovel out and we work to find common ground and solve problems together in a bipartisan way. So. God bless. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Jody. Great job. Thank you. Ron and I were talking last night that uh, we saw a tweet yesterday. He said there's only two kinds of people in Washington. Those who are watching the Cohen hearing and those who are watching the Lighthizer hearing. Uh, and then Rachel was watching both. Yeah, she told us. Uh, Ron, uh, why don't you uh, kick us off as well? And, uh, and thanks again for your, just like Jody, Great first start on the committee. Thank you. So, I, you know, Jody did such a good job, I'll just say ditto. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, it, it's great. I, you know, we, um, we put all this effort into getting on Ways and Means. Of course, I, I, uh, I'm here now. Mike Pompeo was uh, my predecessor in this seat. And, and when he uh, was tapped to go to the CIA back two years ago, then uh, I jumped into the race and, and uh, you know, and... and uh, I'll, I'll come back a little bit to that story, but you know, just a little bit more of an introduction of my background. Uh, I have an engineering undergraduate degree and a master's in business administration. So most of my career, 22 plus years, I spent uh, doing process improvement and, and consulting work with uh, mostly manufacturing and distribution companies, looking at how to put in computer systems and how to improve uh, uh, processes, uh, just-in-time manufacturing concepts, some of those things that uh, over the years were, were really beneficial. And um, uh, I kind of took that, that approach and said, we need some of that activity within the government structure. And, and my, uh, my wife and I had met at a Young Republican National Convention. And so politics are in both of our bloods. We, we'd helped uh, others get elected. And I thought the next step was to run for office. So I ran for, for uh, county treasurer. And the thing about county treasurers, as you know, 
they do the DMV operations in Kansas. So, you know, obviously it was ripe territory to go out and look at how do we improve it. And, you know, I don't think, I, I don't think I've met anybody from any state that uh, didn't have horror stories about that. So um, it's, it's one of those areas that it was easy to jump into and look at from an administrative role, how do you fix that? And, you know, then the next logical step was uh, into running for Kansas State Treasurer and, and focusing on some of the issues there in terms of uh, managing the budget, managing the revenue, uh, and, and working particularly with our, our pension system. You know, when I, when I ran in 2010, um, we were the second worst funded public employee pension system in the country. I always say thank goodness for Illinois. I don't know if anybody's from <laughs> Illinois here, but... Uh, um, and, and so, um, the, uh, sorry. <laughs> um, and, and so it, it was, again, it was lots of areas that we could look at. How do we make some improvements? How do we um, make that process move forward? And, and so, you know, that political dynamic had, had led to some improvements along the way. And, and so, the, you know, the states moved forward from that standpoint. But when, when this opportunity opened up, it was a logical thing for me to jump into just uh, a, a much broader role in terms of area responsibility. And, and then as I was running in a special election, Lynn Jenkins announced that uh, she was gonna re uh, retire and uh, go have a life of her own, you know, go figure. She, she's gotten married and having, you know, uh, looking to having grandkids and things like that. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what, why she would want to do that as opposed to being here. Um, uh, um, yeah, but what time's our vote scheduled? <laughs> uh, but the, uh, so we, we really put a focus on, on how do we leverage what my background was and, and, and working with the committee and, and some of the stuff that the committee does. I mean, such a broad scope in terms of what Ways and Means does. And, and from my district uh, in Kansas, so the fourth district of Kansas is kind of south central. It's, it's the middle third of the state in the southern half. And Wichita is the center of it. We, um, we, we call Wichita the air capital of the world. Uh, I think the, the numbers roughly two out of every three airplane that's flying today was either manufactured completely in Wichita or a major piece of the components are, were made there. So Cessna's located there, Beechcraft, they're, they're all under the Textron umbrella right now. Uh, Learjet, uh, there's a, a big uh, uh, design component uh, for Airbus, for wings. There's, you know, Boeing was there for a long period of time and as they spun off their commercial operation. So every 737 fuselage is made in Wichita, Kansas. So they've made 10,000 of them over the years and they put them on a train and ship them to uh, Seattle for final assembly. So you can uh, actually see trains with the uh, fuselages going down the track. And they, um, so it's, it's an interesting dynamic from an, uh, an aircraft and manufacturing uh, center around that. And, and then there's a lot of other you know, farm equipment, case, and and, uh, and some other uh, manufacturing companies that actually are based out of there just because of the, the, the strength of the workforce. And then uh, the, the district has 16 complete counties and part of a 17th. And so the ring around Wichita is uh, a lot of rural, a lot of agriculture area. And so we have uh, some of those same issues that Jody talked about with uh, with our farmers and, and the issues that they, they address. and and. We've got a little bit of oil and gas in Kansas, not to the extent that Texas does, but uh, um, th that's, a, that's a component of our, our economy as well. So when, when I look at the number one issue, I think for 
for this session, it's it's great, just from a standpoint of both from agriculture standpoint, from from our aviation industry, from from manufacturing in general, and that's the big push that that we need to make sure uh, that we focus on. Um, most of our folks were a little apprehensive to open up NAFTA back when that was being talked about. Uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, we we're in a better place now. The USMCA is is improvements over the 20-year-old NAFTA and, and some of those provisions that needed to be modernized. Uh, so, you know, as Ambassador Lighthizer said earlier this week, is you know, it, it's a colossal problem if we don't get USMCA passed and, and moving forward from that standpoint and, and pushing on that. Uh, trade with China is also an issue. I mean, our, our agriculture folks are, they're suffering, and they, they know they're suffering, but they're standing there saying, this is the right thing to do. They're, they're, they're suffering a little bit in their pocketbook, uh, but they're, they're still supporting with the president in terms of that approach because they know the way they look at world trade. They still want to have that opportunity to trade, and they know if they don't stand up to that, uh, stand up to China now, it's not going to happen. And so I think it's important for us as a country to get both of those behind us. China's going to take a little bit longer than the USMCA. But there's a whole host of other things uh, behind that. I mean, we need to come back and look at uh, our larger Asia uh, trade agreement. And, and we may not look exactly like TPP did, but we've, we've got to do something uh, from that standpoint. Obviously, there's other issues looking at um, you know, dealing with the EU and the UK uh, with Brexit coming along. So uh, that's probably the biggest short term. Uh, when, I, when I look at what we're doing in the committee this year, just shifting gears a little bit. I think there's there's probably going to be some work that we can accomplish on drug pricing. Now the question is we got to define what that problem is that because there's so many there and the solutions for some of those aren't necessarily the same as solutions for others. So whether you're looking at a Medicare D versus a Medicare B problem, whether you're looking at orphan drugs, whether you're looking at price escalation and in existing drugs uh, that, have, that have escalated over. And so we need to make sure that we have, uh, if, if we're going to narrow down, we'll make sure that our solution comes up to, to focus on that and, and we recognize that there's, you know, you can't squeeze the balloon in one place without it popping out uh, in another. And so figuring out how do we make that work and set the right incentives in place to, to accomplish that. Um, I'm also hopeful that we can do some retirement savings work uh, this session. Um, Probably not as much as we need to do, uh, because uh, solving some of the issues with Social Security is a longer-term issue that we need to work on, but uh, there's some other short-term things that I think we can fix. And looking long-term, how do we want to make sure that um, through our work career, Americans have the opportunity to prepare themselves for their retirement years and making sure that we're, we're set up through that. So um, we can, I can talk a lot. I mean, as you guys know, elected officials, you give us a microphone and uh, you're stuck for a long period of time. So maybe we just, um, I don't know, we're going to do some yeah, questions. Let's, do that. let's that. take, join me in thanking Ron for his comments. So I know Jody's got another conflict as well, but um, uh, several references, U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. So before uh, we left uh, last week, uh, we began with Whip Scalise, uh, the work to build support among Republicans for the uh, trade agreement. So the, 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 the normal game plan that will follow is to begin starting next week, briefings with staff throughout to the Republican 
conference, including the WIP teams especially. Then we'll follow with briefings for the members themselves, begin to work sort of coalition by coalition, uh, identify, one, lay the groundwork for what's in the agreement. Because it happened just before the election. I don't think a lot of people are really digging into it. So let's do that now. Uh, secondly, we'll identify the areas where there may, may be some concerns. Fairly normal, uh, Michelle, as you know, for fairly normal in a trade process. Identify those, work with USTR so they can uh, address those, work with the outside, the coalition that's been created to circle back on members. And, and our goal is, look, we can't yet, we don't yet know what approach Democrats will use. Uh, we think there's a positive opening here. But in the meantime, while we can't control them, we can control our support. So we still think at the end of the day, Republicans will have to uh, provide the bulk of the votes for this agreement. So we're beginning to work right now. I think this is something that needs to be done this summer uh, for a number of reasons. And, uh, and uh, we are pushing, I am pushing hard for not only the steel and aluminum tariffs to be lifted, but the quotas aren't imposed on this agreement. Uh, this agreement can stand on its own. Uh, it's strong enough, uh, and we don't need a permanent quota going forward in any of these issues. So with that, uh, let's open up for questions. Jim, is that okay? That is Don? perfect. John Carlson, you did such a great job. You get the first question, but please let's recognize our wonderful guest. The opposition party has already begun its new attack on the tax bill of last year by pointing to the fact that refunds are smaller um, and it seems to be there's a little bit of a second look at that in the last few days, but can you address uh, that issue in, in terms of uh, the fact that of reduced withholding and, and the whole, how it all plays together? It is hard to believe we're having this discussion. Uh, and while the Democrats have been fact-checked mercilessly on this claim that lower refunds means you got a tax increase. Uh, we know that's not the case. Uh, we also know that uh, refunds, uh, refunds vary from, season, from year to year pretty dramatically. They vary within the tax season. Last year they started out very low, shot very high, ended up right in the middle, almost where expected. Wouldn't be surprised to see that happening again. But bottom, in, so bottom line is we are explaining to a lot of people in America that the refund only reflects what you overpaid the IRS in your paychecks last year. You can adjust those. Americans saw this in their uh, paychecks starting in February. Nonetheless, I do think it's had an impact back home. Uh, there I noticed last week as we were doing our town halls and our round tables and all that, a lot of people were asking about that, assuming that they had gotten a tax increase. We know, you know, more than 90, look, so 90% of Americans will see a tax cut. Um, another five to seven, 5% will break even or so, and 5%, usually the higher earners and higher tax states, uh, will see the opposite. Uh, but yeah, it's been something we've had to, to deal with, and it is just the ongoing narrative. My frustration is that if the tax refunds had come in higher, the media would be explaining this to the rest of America. Nonetheless, that's our job to be able to lay out why, at the end of the day, uh, lower refunds simply means you got your tax cut. Uh, for most families who work who get, live paycheck to paycheck, we designed this to, to be in your paycheck when you need it, not a year later. So. Yeah, and that, that's one of the things we're, we've been talking through as well and, and trying to uh, convert the focus to talking about your tax liability and talking about 
some people want to get it in a refund, some people want to get it throughout the year, and, and kind of do that re-education, I guess, uh, in terms of that process. And, and so uh, we're working, actually trying to get a, an op-ed published to actually go through that, that explanation. We talked with uh, uh, some tax accountants in Wichita when we were back in the district last week and, and actually had some examples there of, of the impact on people's, people's taxes and trying to make that focus on tax liability. I don't expect the Democrats will have another hearing on the state of the middle class like they did because the results are overwhelming. <laughs> and whether it's the unemployment or job participation or consumer confidence or manufacturing job, I mean, you can't get around. There's no um, chink in the armor for what we've provided in, in terms of freer markets and the ensuing growth and opportunity. So I felt like that hearing, Mr. Chairman, was fell flat for them, even though the deck was stacked uh, um, on the witness uh, stand. 